welcome to this week's bonus episode. Uh, this was a very exciting episode this last week where we got the actual David and Goliath story. Yeah. Of such fame. Of such <laughs> yes. fame and fortune. And it uh, lasted like a paragraph. <laughs> Which I was sad about. I'm like, that's it. And yeah. we're done. And yeah. he's dead. Yeah. yeah, but it's always exciting, I feel, whenever we do stumble across a story that is uh, in the cultural zeitgeist enough that even Emily knows it or knows of <laughs> yeah. it anyway. Right. Totally. That's very yeah. true. Uh, so David, of course, is going to be a major player. Um, he's a major character that's shown up in a lot of art. And I know we were supposed to do some investigation into what's up with uh, Michelangelo's David. Yeah. So I've actually seen this. I, I've seen it's a replica now because apparently uh, someone, yeah, someone at some point tried to um, like kill the statue with a hammer. <laughs> okay, hang on, sorry. Yes, uh, kill was not the verb that I was expecting was going to come out of your mouth just then. I was expecting like steal, vandalize, right. face, vandalize, whatever. vandalize. But they yeah, tried just to kill it with a hammer. Yeah, essentially. Wow. So they um, they like sort of hurt the foot. There's a damaged left <laughs> foot. Keep, okay, Emily. You keep using these words like David is alive in there. <laughs> well, look at him. He looks very alive. He's, right. he's very beautiful. Yeah, preserved in stone. But, you know, so they hurt They hurt the foot <laughs> a lot. It was gave awful. Gave him an owie. Yeah. Yeah, gave him a big old owie. But now, yeah, he is just a replica, but still, like, really incredible. Um, in Florence, Italy, uh, outside, let's see, it's in a piazza Dea Signora. Oh, no, wait. Is that it? No. Uh, crap. It's one of these. It's one of these piazzas. Okay. And it was, yeah. So, oh, no, they're, yeah, Academy Galleria. So I realized, like, there's a replica of him in the Palazzo, but he actually, the actual statue is in the Gallery de Academia in Florence. My Hero Academia and I have seen has Fife. the actual David, the, like, wounded David with his wounded foot. David. And then replica David is outside, uh, but inside is real David. Okay, inside the My Hero Academia. <laughs> Correct. Gosh, yeah. So there's there's a lot of like different places in Florence where it has been and it's moved around, but it's in oh, France. Really? I didn't realize yes. that. I, I was assumed it was like always at the Parthenon. I just assumed everything's no. like at, at the, the Parthenon. Parthenon. At the Parthenon, of all <laughs> places. <laughs> No, no, it's in front of like a big old uh, museum. Okay. So although it was supposed to be in the Florence Cathedral, like they were going to have a bunch of, what does this say? A series of prophet statues to be positioned along the roof line Mm. of the Florence Cathedral. But instead now it's in the Palazzo Vecchio, um, (laughs) Piazza della Sonora. I don't know. Yes. Galleria della Academia. Yeah, so it's a bunch of these places. It's been in a bunch of places. Um, but it's extraordinary. I mean, it really is. Like, to see it in real life, it's amazing. I And I I didn't realize this, but now kind of, like, staring at it, there are weird things about it, which include that the head is very large and the hands are very large. Huh. And they thought that the reason for this was because it was going to be up really high and they wanted, mm. like, certain things to be bigger to the eye. Right. And the genitals are very small. And also David is not circumcised, which is interesting. That's because it's along the lines of like other Renaissance type sculptures of the time. Mm. And I, I guess it's like a weird like, detail to leave out when such a deal was made of that during the story. Well, certainly, yes. yes. But, uh, but of course, I mean, famously, anti-Semitism has been a- around for a very long time. And I'm not surprised if it's like, well... 
yeah, part of anti-Semitism is like, oh yeah, these weird Jews over in the corner who do this weird thing. That's not like us, like the people that we venerate in our version of Christianity. So we're guess, just going to yeah. kind of yeah. fudge that detail for the sake of art, I suppose. I don't know. It just, yeah, it just says commentators have noted the presence of foreskin on David's penis, which is at <laughs> odds with the Judaic practice of circumcision, right. but consistent with the conventions of Renaissance art. Yeah, um, exactly. Yes. But then he also has like a, a Renaissance haircut, you know, that's probably not Mm. yeah yeah that's true um it just something interesting to note is that there is another there's a donatello bronze statue of david um and this one yeah that one is like of him standing victorious over the head of goliath whereas this Mm. one is before battle it's before he kills goliath which is like an interesting distinction yeah now that i'm googling the david the donatello david he has a sick ass hat yeah he has a really weird hat i don't know you you love hats by weird i think you mean he has a sick ass hat now i really want people to go and google this because it's really interesting it's very different from the michelangelo david that the donatello david is not really that ripped he's much more oh, really youthful boyish. and willowy and boyish yeah it's interesting yeah, yeah exactly but it basically just has like calf greaves on and then also the hat and that's it and he's naked yeah it's bizarre it is kind of bizarre it's an interesting um statue for sure and it it's in bronze rather than stone so i will say the stone one michelangelo took two years to complete it which is incredible to me like i don't even understand yeah what goes into that but yeah um so uh, let's see he's he's Okay, he's doing, like, making the decision to fight Goliath before the battle has actually taken place, a moment between conscious choice and action, fight or flight. Although he doesn't, he's not really going to do that. He's definitely going to go in there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so the thing we were asking, like, what is in his hand? And it's the sling. Mm, It is, And it's slung over his shoulder. (laughs) And apparently it holds a rock. In a jaunty style. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, wow. so he's not he's and, not holding a tray of drinks, but is no. instead holding this sling over <laughs> his shoulder. I thought it shoulder. was an apple, which was stupid, but yeah, I thought it was an apple. But it definitely wasn't. Yeah. So it just says that um it's common with the theme of the ancient Greek heroic male nude. So that's fun. Yeah, I think yeah. that that part's interesting to look at how art artistic representations of historical things are often mm-hmm. more informed by the present day styles than by any sort of attempt at historical accuracy. Oh, for right. sure. Like if you think yeah, about all so of many... the p- paintings of white Jesus, right? Oh, yeah, I was yeah. going to say all the white Jesuses floating around out right. there, or no, just the totally. very like modern. Even modern postures or facial structures on characters at different times. Uh, Yeah. And the thing, like, also the fact that he's nude. That like he's not nude in the story. There's no indication of that. I'm I'm pretty sure that's I not mean, the case. I mean, Jace, there's no indication that he's not okay, not nude. Fine, fine, okay, fine. but still, but yeah. like any reasonable reading of the story does not have him be nude. But that was the style of the sculptures at the time, and so they did that. And actually, the small penis thing was also. Yes popular in uh, Greek sculpture of the time Greek art. in Greek yes, art in and, general, because they and Renaissance sculptures, right? Cause they equated large penises with being a barbarian and being out of control. And they very much valued like control and composure, which was associated mm. with smaller penises. So again, very yeah. interesting that that was like the desirable trait. Unlike today where we're all barbarians, I guess. 
<laughs> at least I, the media guess, tells us we should that, be. That's what you want that to be. Should, yeah, right, yeah right. exactly. Should aspire to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it's fun. Although I will say, lastly, that there are political overtones in the statue, and that's why it was attacked twice in its early days. I mean, so, when he was yeah, injured? Uh, yes, he was injured because <laughs> he was a political boy. So, huh. yes, I I don't know. They're saying that it's political, which it doesn't seem political to me. But I guess he's like looking off in the distance of Rome, which is like, we're going to get you, Rome, us in Florence over here. Oh, yeah. OK. OK. So maybe it was a little bit. Uh, what's the word? Re- rebellious. Re- yeah, perhaps. I wanted to say revolutionary, but that's not a revolutionary. Word. I, I don't know if that's why a not. Thing. <laughs> why not? Yeah, yeah. So. Interesting. That's cool. Indeed, but I, if you ever get a chance to see it in the flesh, <laughs> him in the in the um, stony <laughs> flesh, then I highly flesh. recommend it. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, so I have more stuff about David and Goliath. Dedeker, what did cool. you look up for today? Oh, I was looking up Saul's daughters. Okay, cool. I'll do David and Goliath then so we can stay on that theme. So I was going to look up stuff about the sling, or I I did, about like how, what would it take to kill someone with a sling? And I came across a super fascinating 15-minute TED Talk from Malcolm Gladwell, the writer of those books that he wrote. Um, (laughs) Good. Cool. Right. Malcolm Gladwell, famous author. Look him up. Uh, He does this TED Talk that's all about David and Goliath. Um, huh. and, and about how misunderstood he's like, this is what fascinates me about it is the story that I thought I knew. And then I learned in researching it that I don't know it at all. And, okay. and what was interesting. So he basically goes through a number of things. Um, first of all, points out, basically the whole thing is based around this idea that we tell this story as this underdog story, right. Mm-hmm. Of David, the underdog, beating Goliath, who's, you know, and we use it as a, as an allegory for that type of thing. But he's like, what if that's not actually the truth of the story? And he goes through and he looks at things and he first talks about the sling. So, so I want to talk about slings for a second. So the sling at the time was a military weapon. Like this was a weapon used in the military. This is not a slingshot. So we want to be clear on that, that, that the way a sling works, right, is there's basically, there's variations. Yeah, please enlighten me, because I have no idea. I'm like, he just threw a rock really hard. <laughs> right. So, okay, so imagine, like, a little leather pouch. Like a little cup, right? Like a little that leather cup, goes into. right? Okay. Uh, that's, you know, maybe maybe the size of your two hands put together, right? Enough to, like, hold a decent size rock or a stone or something. And I think it would vary. But, right, like a little leather strap there. And then two straps or cords or something that come off of that, one off of each side, that are longish, you know, maybe a few feet long. And so what you do is you put a stone in the strap and you hold on to both cords Mm -hmm. and you spin it around. So you get this rock whirling and whirling and whirling around. And then when you're ready to fire, you let go of one of the straps so that then it like opens up essentially. And then the rock goes flying out, you know, in, in like wherever you're swinging it. So what's interesting is that he points out that at the time there were basically like three types of soldiers 
And one of the types is like the heavy infantry, which is what Goliath was. You know, the ones with the armor and the swords and whatever. Uh, and then another one was the, uh, the artillery, which was archers, but also slingers, which huh. was something like that... Do they, call them, do they call them slingers? Do they call them like sling bearers or something? <laughs> did, Malcolm boys. Gladwell called them slingers, and I really liked it, so I'm going with that. Well, I don't know. I like Emily's sling boys. Sling boys is good, too. Okay. So, That's what he was. So he was he a was sling a boy. boy. And, sling. and clearly had a lot of practice with it. So what's interesting is he points out, like, from historical records in other places, from like tapestries and paintings as well as other stories it was known that slingers sling boys could be so accurate as to shoot birds flying in the air right so like the degree of accuracy so yeah he's like a sniper right the degree of accuracy that he could do was not unreasonable like for him to be able to hit that target and that they talked about people hitting targets from like 200 yards away and these Jeez. guys were much closer than that. So he's like, this wasn't even a hard shot for David to make as someone who was trained with this deadly weapon. So he's like, well, so why, first of why all... Why did Goliath like, go for it then? He's like, yee, I would run away. Well, okay. So here's the super interesting part. He's like, so we also think of Goliath as this huge, strongest warrior who has ever lived. And he's like, but there's a few weird details that come up in the story that have puzzled people for years. One is the fact that he gets led out to the field. Remember, like, his armor bearer before him is what it said in our translation? Goliath's armor bearer? Right. He said, and his armor bearer before him. And you, you, Emily, were like, why is his armor bearer going out before him if he's the big guy with all the armor on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, like, question number one. And then two, it when David walks out to him, he says, and David's carrying his staff, he says to him, why do you come to me with sticks? Am I a dog? But he says sticks, plural, instead of, he only had one stick with him. And then the next thing is that he says, uh, you know, come, come to me and I'll feed you to the dogs or whatever. He's like threatening him. And essentially then they're going, okay, <clears throat> now based on this and looking at how do people actually be giants, <laughs> is <What>? that <clears throat> how like because he's taller than everyone else around right yeah and in this really they parents. didn't say that he was one of those like uh, half angel people like they talked about back in exodus and genesis I think, and like stuff. he actually had some kind of like yes and there's marvin syndrome or something i forget yeah. the name of it but there's a particular um a particular <clears throat> benign tumor that grows on the pituitary gland that uh causes it to overproduce human growth hormone and this is like uh, Andre the Giant had this. It's believed mm. that maybe Abraham Lincoln had this. Um, you know that that many people who we think of as as like real life giants had this had this uh, this tumor that causes that. And um, <clears throat> one of the side effects of it is that that tumor presses up against the optical nerve and can cause bad vision. And so he theorized, and, and medical professionals have theorized that perhaps the reason why there's these weird inconsistencies, like why is he led onto the field? Why does he tell David to come blind. closer? Why does he not realize that David has a sling when, like, as a military person, he mm. would know that's a weapon that can be used against me? Like, why does he not get those things? And oh, they also talk about how slow he moves. And it's like, these are all symptoms that so fit think with... We're the this. Philistines just kind of using their tall boy as a pawn to maybe, try to intimidate. Yeah, maybe because he looked threatening. So they're saying, yeah, the right. Israelites probably thought he was threatening, but in reality, like he 
might not have been. Like he actually might have been fairly significantly handicapped. Maybe would have been fine in a one-on-one heavy boys hitting each other kind of battle. <laughs> but he was in a different kind of battle that wasn't what he was expecting. And so it's kind he of a sitting a sword duck. to uh he brought, he brought a, a knife. sword to a sling fight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he brought a sword to a sling fight. Yeah. And he couldn't couldn't deal, couldn't play, man. So then wow, last thing that's I fascinating. thought was super fascinating was that uh also apparently the stones in this region are also a particularly heavy dense stone. They're like barium or some barium's radioactive, not barium. Some <laughs> other kind of Can you uh, imagine? <laughs> some other I mean, kind of like heavy, he heavy grabbed element. It, David <laughs> grabbed it out of the ark and then right, like threw it at him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the stones in this area were particularly heavy, but he also did some maths, um, about how fast a slinger sling boy sling sling swings their sling around before releasing it. Try saying that that 10 times fast. Yes. That these rocks would go somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 to 35 meters per second, which is faster than the fastest fastball that can be thrown in baseball today, like faster than the fastest pitchers. Cause you think about it, it's, you know, you have the help of a device to sling something even faster than that. And wow. then that combining the weight of the stones with that speed, the actual force, like the quote stopping power is greater than that of a 45 caliber handgun. So this is a very, very deadly weapon. That so he super died. Him. Yeah. Wow. Um, or or fell unconscious from it and then had his head cut off. But but either way, it was just interesting to go, oh, huh, this story is maybe not quite like we think it is. Like, David's not quite the underdog that he was. Maybe he was brave to go when no one knew this stuff yet, but wasn't wasn't quite this like, wow, it's a miracle that he pulled that off that we all was say. Was he the is. only sling boy, though? It's only one Maybe he was the only sling try. boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was the only one willing to be like, I'll do it. Yeah, and they're like, fine, well, go do it. Right. I guess somebody had to, so we did it. Well done. Fascinating. Or unless, well, but I don't know. But then, I, I guess does, was Saul not aware of the fact that David was a sling boy? Because Saul's out there like trying to put all of his own armor on him. I'm assuming that he's going to get hand to hand, right? It with is, Goliath. Well, I think that's also what Goliath and the Philistines assumed was that they would also send a heavy artillery type or a heavy, not heavy artillery, a heavy, a heavy boy to well, somebody go hand to do hand, a sword a heavy fight, boy. right? And so, so maybe, okay. Maybe they're also so kind of cheating a, a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe that's a cheap shot. Which is, is in is, keeping with all military strategy we've seen in the Bible so far has mm, been like it's a lot of cheap shots. Yeah. Like let's be sneaky. Let's sneak. Let's figure out how to win. Let's figure out how to cheat the game a little bit or play the game right. so that we win without having to win one-to-one. Okay. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Huh. Uh, well, y'all found much more interesting stuff than I found. Like, I was going to try to get more information about Saul's daughters. And now Michal, the one who did get married to David right. for the low, low price of 100 foreskins, um, she is she's going to show up again. She has a few more stories oh, that's uh, cool. left. So I, I'm not going to talk about her too much. And then Marab, the one who was supposed to be married to him, and then was not. Um, I couldn't find much about Marab. That's pretty uh, much the extent of her function in the Bible. What is interesting is is when I'm looking for these things, Michal shows up in a lot of art, as can be hmm. expected. Okay. You know, she's a biblical figure. Um, 
Marab doesn't show up in a lot of like Renaissance art, but she does show up as just like a hot lady. Like people's depictions of her of like very, very traditionally hot, like tons of makeup and like very smooth skin and stuff like that. And I know we were riffing on like, oh yeah, back in the Renaissance times, they just kind of projected their own reality onto biblical figures and we don't do that. And I'm like, well, but yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely do. do. For God's sake, no one would look like that back then. Um, No, probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did find something interesting about the foreskins, or at least an interesting interpretation. Oh yes, about the foreskins. I can't wait. I can't wait. Please, <laughs> please tell us. Uh, again, this is just an interpretation um, that just one biblical scholar uh, was kind of going off about. Um, he believed that Saul was straight up demon possessed when he suggested this idea. Like he literally interpreted, "Oh yeah, Yahweh sent an evil spirit to Saul. Saul is literally possessed by a demon." Whoa. You know, and one of the foreskins. The demon loves foreskins. They're the delicious. Demon, well, this person's interpretation like is that rinds. this. Is, oh, okay. God, Can we not? Sorry, I, like sorry. every every ounce of that, every ounce of that <sighs> is awful. Uh, no. Uh, just that this demon possessed Saul, I guess, was either hungry for political power and wanted to send David to, you know, go do his political bidding by killing all these Philistines, or just wanted to the demon mess around with David and force David to have to kill a hundred, two hundred dudes. Basically, that was more this person's interpretation. Is that right. I thought uh, we had a clear motive though that he wanted David to die in the process of trying to do this. I, I mean, I guess, I guess that was our, that's what we picked up from it. Uh, this, this particular scholar did not pick that up, but mm. instead kind of interpreted that this yeah. is about. Um, I mean, it was, it was in a previous section in the Bible where it did say like, that was Saul's thinking was that David would die on the front line. David should die. Cause he already twice tried to kill him just straight up with a spear and <laughs> totally whiffed it. <laughs> totally whiffed it. Wait, Saul uh, whiffed it? Is that what happened? I forget. Well, it said that yeah, David, Saul whiffed it. David escaped out of his presence twice. <laughs> I say, yeah, whatever the heck that means. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it was interesting to see a interpretation that acknowledged, yeah, that was a crappy thing that David had to kill essentially right. 200 people just to get their foreskins. Like that was a bad thing. And yeah. it's bad because it was the idea not of Yahweh, but of Saul who was possessed by a demon. Um Mm, so. Okay. All right. That sounds like <laughs> some times. apologism there, but but a all right. Bit, probably a little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little yeah, bit. definitely well, a little bit. Yeah. And uh, that's know. that's all I got. Wow. Wow. Well, well, this has been a times. this has been a fun bonus episode. Uh, I'm excited to go out and get a sling and work on my target practice. Um, I'm probably not going to do that. I never live anywhere where I could do that and not hit cars yeah, and like, buildings. It, exactly, and potentially kill animals or people. That would right. not be a great idea, right. but it's fun to think about how powerful that weapon was. Yeah, at the time, height of technology. Yeah. There you go. Leather with some straps on it. <laughs> Who knew? All righty. Well, we are looking forward to continuing on with David's story and seeing what Saul and uh, what's the other guy's name? Samuel and Michael and all y'all are up to next week. See you then.